way to say it, I was a better person than I knew I was. Hey folks, let's spend some time with friends up north. Pat Kreitlow of Up North News is on Lake Minnesota. Kristen Lyerly in OBGYN is on the Fox River. And up on Lake Monaco is Kirk Bangstead of the Monaco Brewing Company. Wherever you are, welcome. You're up north. Won't you let me die happy? Hello! Welcome, everyone, to the Up North Podcast. I'm Kirk Bankstead from the Monaco Brewing Company. And I'm Kristen Lyerly up here in Green Bay. <laughs> and we're, 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 we're keeping Pat in the, in the roster, but we're, 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 trying to, we're, we're having trouble getting him uh, to, to also stay awake at 7 o'clock p.m. when he's got to uh, be on the radio at 6 o'clock a.m. Uh, most every morning. So uh, we'll, we'll keep him on the roster to make him feel a little, a little sad that he's uh, not joining us. Uh, but, but anyways, uh, Pat, as you will hopefully be back on the show soon. He's sleeping right now in his lazy boy. Probably, <laughs> probably streaming this right yeah, now. Hopefully, hopefully. Uh, I'm not list- I'm not looking at Facebook while we're on the Zoom. So he's probably saying, hi, guys. How you doing? <laughs> if, you, if you are, Pat, hi back. Hi back. <laughs> okay, so Kristen, you texted me earlier. And I, 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 I knew it was in the news. Uh, but you texted me earlier a, a verbatim, uh, a quote from uh, some publication that that I wanted to ask you about. I wanted to lead the show with this because it's part and parcel with with voting rights and gerrymandering and, and electing a great Supreme Court judge. But we've got we've got Bob Spindell. He's one of the Republican fraudulent electors who still sits on the Wisconsin's Election Commission, which is in charge of making sure we don't have fraudulent electors <laughs> and elections. And uh, and he was quoted as saying this uh, in a recent email that he wrote to a bunch of Republican donors. We can be especially proud of the city of Milwaukee, 80 percent Democratic vote, casting 37 less, 37,000 less votes than cast in the 2018 election, with the major reduction happening in the overwhelmingly black and Hispanic areas. Whew. What do you think about what, that, Kristen? It, what is it going to take? to get this person removed from this position. I mean, as you said earlier, Bob Spindell was one of the fraudulent electors, one of the people who was trying to overthrow the government from Wisconsin. He sits on the board, the Wisconsin Election Commissions, that or Commission, which is a six-member bipartisan commission that is charged with implementing Wisconsin's election statutes and supporting all of our county and municipal clerks. He's in charge of making sure that elections run well, fairly, and legally. And he says this. He basically said that he's happy that the Republican Party is suppressing votes when he's in charge of making it's trying to he's in charge of trying to make sure that everybody can vote and vote legally and vote properly. It's the direct opposite. He's doing the exact opposite of what he's supposed to do in this position. And he has also committed a crime. So, yeah, uh, this uh, this starts off our show because we are talking about tonight about uh, the Supreme Court race. And this is our one chance uh, until 2030 
to stop voter suppression, to stop gerrymandering, which takes disenfranchises a lots of folks in Wisconsin, and to and to overturn or overturn a 173-year-old abortion ban, and, and on a whole host of things, because we we could have a progressive Supreme Court balance in the Supreme Court, uh, which we can relitigate all these things and get Wisconsin back from the dark ages, and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I so that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, Kristen, what we're going to go into, what are we go, who are we going to talk to? Oh, we're going to talk to Jim Santel. <laughs> yes, Jim Santel, brilliant attorney. We spoke with him last week about gerrymandering in general, and we, we talked a little bit about northern Wisconsin. We're going to focus on the tribes in northern Wisconsin, and we're going to talk about racial gerrymandering with Jason Bissonette from the Lacoudre tribe. It is going to be a really interesting, I'm going to be honest with you, Kirk, it's going to be kind of complicated. Like this is stuff that I am not super comfortable with because it's just kind of deep in the weeds. But the beauty of Jim is he explains it to me like a fourth grader and answers my questions and really helps me understand how this complex issue makes a huge difference. And we all need to understand how it affects us. So the reason, yes, gerrymandering makes people's eyes roll in the back of their heads. And that's why it's hard to change because you can't really get people motivated to vote when you talk about ra- uh, racial or political gerrymandering, which we'll talk about the differences when we, in, in the show. But what, we, what you can uh, kind of latch onto is that if we can elect a progressive judge uh, and change the balance of the court, then they will rule against uh, the Republican Party when they try to shorten the window to vote uh, mm-hmm. when they try to make sure that you can't have a drop box uh, to put your ballot in to make things easier you know they all they, they you know not hiring enough workers to actually run a good election all making those things. sure that you're the person who returns your own ballot even if you have a disability or can't make it to the mailbox. Yeah. It's so, unreal the restrictions that we've seen here in this state. So the Wisconsin Supreme Court is now is 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 siding with the Republican Party every single time on these really basic voting issues that we should make voting easier, not harder. Now, before we uh, before we t- uh, take our first break, I wanted to add there's an impo- this this Supreme Court election. There's a primary and a general. And the mm-hmm. primary is on February 21st, which is like less than six weeks away. It's like five mm-hmm. weeks away now. And it's it's so important because there are four uh, judges running. Two of them are conservative and the other two are, are progressive. And uh, there's a chance that a progressive doesn't get through the primary unless we all focus on uh, on that primary. So you're the right. Michael, so the Namaco Brewing Company, it's a little plug, but it's not really a plug. It's my birthday uh, on February 2nd. Groundhog Day. <laughs> it's Groundhog Day. <laughs> and we're going to we're going to have a party in Madison uh, to uh, to encourage people to sign up for either campaign, either Everett Mitchell or Janet Pro Protosewitz. Protosewitz. work. It's right? so hard. It's such a hard name to say, but let's, let's <laughs> practice this a little bit. Okay. Prota, prota, like, you know, like prototype, pro, prototype, prototype, prota yeah. say, she's going to say the right things for all of Wisconsin. <laughs> That's what you really emphasize. Prota say wits. She's got her wits about her. There you go. Uh, way to go. Prota say wits. 
That's that's called a mnemonic device, uh -huh. a mnemonic device. So way to go. <laughs> so so we're we're supporting. Uh, we've officially endorsed Janet in the primary, but we we're gonna have this party, and and we want to just have everybody. If if you vote, if you're if you're for Everett, that's great. If you're for Janet, that's great. We want to have a party uh, on February second at the Rigby at seven p.m. To, to celebrate volunteering and to celebrate getting out the vote for a progressive. Because in my mind, all uh, when, when, when the, the rising tide lifts all boats. So if you got a bunch of progressives in Madison calling other progressives, similarly in, in Milwaukee and all the, all the kind of the blue areas around Wisconsin to get out the vote for these two candidates, then one of them will get in and maybe even both of them will get in if we just, wall, if we just knock it out of the park. And Kirk, who votes in the spring nonpartisan primary? If this is the only thing that's on the ballot, like how many Wisconsinites actually get out and vote? So if you are listening, your vote is especially yeah. important. This is so necessary. So get ready. Janet <laughs> Protasewitz, Everett Mitchell. Those are your two folks who are brilliant and yeah. really have the best interests of the people of Wisconsin in mind. Great. So, um, so we are going to, uh, uh, you know, so the party is at the Rigby from seven to ten p.m. Another couple uh, benefits are uh, uh, if you, it's going to be free beer, free Monaco Brewing Company beer. Yes. Uh, my buddy Tony Castaneda, he's he's the Tony Castaneda Latin Jazz Band. He's going to be playing all night. And the special thing to uh, to encourage, because this is this is what I was thinking. Uh, a lot of people like belong to nonprofits or charities and, and the folks that really care about these nonprofits or charities are generally good volunteers and good workers. So, so I'm the, the super PAC is going to donate $500. They're going to do a drawing at the end of the night and uh, whoever wins can get uh, the super PAC will donate $500 to your favorite charity uh, as another way to get people out and to get people, you know, excited about this party, which means they're excited about volunteering. So I hear you saying that it's your birthday, which is also Groundhog Day. There's going to be a sweet party in Madison totally. with free progressive beer, an amazing band, and you could be the lucky person who sends $500 to your favorite charity. That's like five really important reasons to come and celebrate <laughs> Kirk's birthday. Oh, I forgot. And... You're making a pledge to get out and volunteer to ensure that we have a progressive Supreme Court justice and we can turn Wisconsin around. Are you seeing what I'm seeing? The future of Wisconsin lies in the hands of Kirk's birthday party. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for <laughs> re redoing that. So so my producer tells me that we are waiting for, for Jim. Um, I think that we can probably start talking about this to a certain degree, Kristen, and then and get there because we want to make sure we have enough time for uh, for Jason as well. So, mm -hmm. so folks, we're gonna um, we're gonna take a short break. Uh, next up could be just the two of us, uh, uh, you know, uh, trying to trying to become uh, United States attorneys because Jim had a, a meeting in the Milwaukee Public Library, I believe, like right leading up to this. So, uh, so it was always going to be a push, but um, uh, we're gonna take a break and we're gonna talk about. First, what's the difference between political gerrymandering and racial gerrymandering, and then how it uh, how we can meander through that, and who might have grounds to sue 
and to get fairer maps if we elect a progressive Supreme Court judge. So uh, come back, uh, join us in about a, a, a little bit, like 30 seconds after some great music, and we'll get back to that topic. this song for a reason i did i did so that was neil young and uh the song is uh you know just lamenting the sorry state of uh, uh, uh racism in the in, in the south in, a, in in the south and the reason i picked that song is because yet again uh we have alabama uh, that is going to be uh, a case that from Alabama is going to be heard in the Supreme Court, and it has uh, an opportunity to chip away at the Voting Rights Act of 1965, which specifically was created to stop the South from disenfranchising people of color. Mm -hmm. And did you know, what did Neil Young have against Alabama? I mean, I know it was civil rights and everything, but he wrote that song and then he wrote Alabama and then Leonard Skinner wrote Sweet Home Alabama, but they seem to have this like mutual love for each other's talent. So despite the fact that they're having this like political ideological argument, they wear each other's t-shirts and stuff. It's really kind of a funny dynamic. <laughs> well, as, as another funny dynamic is the fact that we were just rescued by Jim Santel because, <laughs> because, because you rescued cause, me just the opposite because because we were gonna try to try to put our U.S. former U.S. attorney hats on. Mark is like, Whoo, thank you, Jim. Whoo. <laughs> I apologize for my late entrance here, and I'll explain later on. <laughs> No problem. We're so man. happy to have you here. No problem. Jim. Delighted to be back with you once again, both. Thank oh, you for having thank me on your program. Of course, for those of you who don't know Jim, he is a former U.S. attorney for the Eastern District of Wisconsin. And before he did all of this work with the DOJ, he was the rule of law coordinator and a legal advisor at the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad during the Iraq War. He is a Wisconsinite and a Marquette University graduate, but as I mentioned last week, he went to Chicago for law school, which is still, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Jim, thank you for rescuing us again today. Again, Kristen Kirk, it's delightful to be back with you once again to talk again about voting rights and the things that can be done in Wisconsin to address those. Great. So, so Jim, there's a reason we had you on two weeks in a row, not just because I like you a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, we talked about last week, we talked about how we think that the uh, that Democrats in the counties of Douglas, Ashland and Bayfield have standing to, to sue the state of Wisconsin or some entity, the Republican legislature for disenfranchisement, because they all voted 
at 55%, you know, percent for Evers and Barnes in three different counties, yet they are the elections that happened elected all Republicans in that area because the lines were, were drawn in a way. So we covered that last week, but we started talking about uh, some of the tribes in northern Wisconsin, and, and maybe they had standing too if we could elect a progressive uh, Supreme Court judge to, to sue. So I wanted to dive deeper into that. Uh, political gerrymandering versus racial gerrymandering. Can you explain the difference and how, how you go about kind of fight, like getting those lawsuits, like difference and you know, the process of that? Absolutely. All great uh, discussion topics and good things for everyone, all your listeners and beyond to know about. As you said, political gerrymandering is just that. You're making decisions. And we've talked about this before, cracking and packing. That is, you're cracking various populations apart to dilute their, their impact, and then packing them together, again, to concede that maybe in a particular district, you may not win, but you're establishing majorities in other places. That certainly can happen in the political arena, as we talked last week. It can also happen, Kirk and Kristen, in the racial arena as well. And so the important thing to know here, going into the fundamentals, is that it's the Voting Rights Act, right? Um, the Voting Rights Act itself, back in the 1960s, says fundamentally this, that you cannot infringe on someone's right to vote based upon their race, the color of their skin. And you might think, well, gee, 1960s, didn't we know about that after the, the, the uh, Civil War amendments? And certainly is there as well under the 14th Amendment, says no state shall make or enforce a law which affects the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States of America. But it took a law to say that when it comes to voting, you cannot discriminate against people based upon race. And so, for example, there were many in, uh, localities out there, jurisdictions doing things like this. They would say, okay, we've got, we're going to impose a poll tax. We're going to make it very difficult, for example, to, for racial minorities to vote. And even that, under the Voting Rights Act, until fairly recently, has been prohibited by the law. Why? Because you're circuitously, again, affecting the capacity of people of color, of, of everyone, uh, to vote based upon their racial heritage. And that's what the Voting Rights Act says. And the other good thing, anticipating perhaps your next question, uh, Kirk and Kristen, is that unlike, unlike political gerrymandering, where the United States Supreme Court, as we talked last week, said, we're taking hands off, we're not gonna do this at all. Plainly, plainly, that is not the case for racial gerrymandering. In particular, uh, we know about that because there's a case right now in front of the United States Supreme Court saying racial gerrymandering. That's actually the next question. So we know that the Voting Rights Act protects against racial gerrymandering, but there have been cases that have chipped away at it over the years. Yeah. And this case is really monumental. And as I was reading through it, I, I just truly could not understand how this is happening in this day and age. Tell us about this case, Jim. Sure. So the case is called Merrill versus Milligan. And just by way of, uh, again, even background to your excellent question, Kristen, this is actually the third case in a series. Uh, we know that in recent years, there was a case called Shelby County versus Holder, Eric Holder, my former boss, in which the Supreme Court basically began to chip away at what's called Section 4 and 5 of the Voting Rights Act, prohibiting um, the intervention of the Department of Justice for those areas that have historically discriminated. So that has been removed by virtue of Shelby County, more recently, there's a case called Burnovich, just about 18 months or so ago, 
that really very much uh, restricted the capacity to do what's called section two prosecutions that basically say, because of what you're doing, you have disenfranchised people, which leads us now to your good thought, uh, Kristen, which is Merrill versus Milligan. How does this one come about? Again, this is under section two. And what happens is that the Alabama legislature back in 2021, as we did here in Wisconsin, drew some new lines in their state. Um, and they undisputably gave black voters far less representation in the House of representatives than their members, their population would indicate. About 28% of the Alabama population is black. And under this revised plan, probably no more than one of the seven congressional districts would be, uh, probably would be electing a black representative. Nowhere near what you would anticipate. The United States Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit in this case looked at that. And much to your appropriate outrage, Kristen said, you know what, that's wrong. You are disenfranchising racially. Uh, people uh, who have the right to vote under the Voting Rights Act, under the 14th Amendment. Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals sent it back and said, do it over, do a better job, legislature. And believe it or not, the legislature said, no. We're going to take this. <laughs> I believe court. it. All right. And we're going to do two things. We're going to contest the, the fundamental notion that we did this wrong. And secondly, we're going to try to change the very principles under Section 2 by which you evaluate racial discrimination. That's why this case is so critically important. So let me recap and then follow up. So Alabama's legislature did the wrong thing. Yes. They tried to pack all the people of color, the black people into one district, and that was wrong. The actual court system did the right thing, the, uh, the, the appeals court, and they said, you can't do that. That's breaking the Voting Rights Act of 1965, which has been the bedrock of our laws for a long time. But we have a 6-3 Supreme Court, which is full of Trump appointees, that is, they knew that if they got it to the Supreme Court, they might be able to, to really weaken the basic tenets of our laws that protect against racial gerrymandering. And they look like they're going to succeed. What do you think the outcome of Merrill versus Milligan is going to be? Right. And that's the great fear. And that's what's probably going, we're going to be talking about this, I suspect, on your good broadcast and others, Kirk and Kristen, probably in May or June, as the Supreme Court probably, again, based upon the oral argument, um, may or may not adopt completely what the legislature has said, but almost certainly by virtue of the very they decided to take the case at all. They did not have to take this case up from the three-judge panel that decided this appropriately. They said, yes, we want to take a look at that. And so, number one, they may, in fact, endorse endorse what the legislature did, which is to disenfranchise this major portion. Even more importantly, for us here in Wisconsin, I know the second portion of your program is going to be all about us in Wisconsin and our Native American uh, Indian tribes. They probably um, are going to be addressing a whole new standard. And this gets a little wonky, but I'll do it anyway. There's a case called Thornburg versus Jingles, another Supreme Court case, been out there for a quarter century. And basically it says, you gotta do the analysis. You gotta figure out where the populations are. You gotta figure out the nuts and bolts. It's facts, it's science. It's the kind of thing that, that people talk about all the time. What the legislature in Merrill versus Milligan is advocating for is dropkick all of that. Get rid of all of that highfalutin analysis and simply go back to the notion of, of this. If I can stand up and I can articulate a single basis that's not racial or to support what I have done, that will pass muster. And so, for example, in Alabama, I could come up, even though my, my motivation may well be secretly or maybe not so secretly racial, if I can say, no, I drew those districts 
including only one for the black population, because there are rivers, there are tributaries, there are commercial areas, there are highways, there are population centers. And based upon that, and I can articulate one of those, that's all you need to support the overall adoption of a plan that disenfranchises people. Standard, and again, that gets rid of the analysis we've had for 25 years, is protected people all throughout America, including Alabama, including right here in Wisconsin. The change in that standard, if this Supreme Court adopts that, has dramatic impact upon all of us, including right here in Wisconsin. Okay, so let's bring it back to Wisconsin. So chances are, because we have a 6-3 conservative Supreme Court, they are going to side with Alabama, and they're going to further chip away at the Voting Rights Act. What does that mean for the black population in, you know, in, 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 like in parts of Milwaukee where they, they lost a potential new congressional district and some of the tribes who are obviously uh, disenfranchised as well. Do they have, if, they, if the Voting Rights Act is weakened, do they still have a shot if we get a, 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 a progressive Supreme Court judge, do they still have a shot to actually win a case of racial gerrymandering in our state? Sure, and the answer is, again, not entirely devastating, but again, as a lawyer, we always say, we'll see, right? Um, we, you could go into federal court and you could do it, frankly, um, fairly soon, because again, as we talked last week, you've got an election now to look at in November of 2020. And you can say perhaps that, that the black population, perhaps in the south side of Milwaukee, you're going to be talking next about the Native American populations in the northern part of our state. Um, again, that's race-based. And you can go into federal court and still argue that. Again, we still have the old standard. Even under the new one, I would offer that you get into in front of a federal judge and, and even with a new standard here, which would be much more difficult, you can still make some arguments that really what's going on here is racial animus. The, the second issue, of course, is you can always still go into state court as well. And that's what I think we're focusing on the importance, as you, the two of you have said, about the upcoming Wisconsin Supreme Court race. Um, the state courts can also enforce voting rights. And there, once again, if you've got a state Supreme Court and you get these kinds of things, racial gerrymandering up to a new state Supreme Court, you can get a good decision there. And depending upon the nature and the strength and the power of a good decision that says, yes, indeed, there has been racial gerrymandering, go back and fix that, whether it's in Milwaukee or the northern counties because of these racial uh, discriminatory practices then you've got a powerful thing, if it is appealed to the Supreme Court, to argue about. And again, between federal and state courts, there are still paths forward. Merrill versus Milligan, however, does make it more difficult. All the more reason to be focused, all your listeners, on the importance of what the Supreme Court does. And I know you'll advocate about this, both of you, the importance of this race coming up to place on the court someone who will be open to understand what voting rights are about for not only political uh, animus, but also for our, 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 our populations of color. And for so much more. Jim, you give me hope. <laughs> <laughs> and we are going to take that up and we are going to carry it on to our next segment with Jason Bissonette. But first, we're going to take a little bit of a break. Let 
The Senecas are an Indian tribe of the Iroquois Nation. Down on the New York-Pennsylvania line, you'll find their reservation. After the U.S. Revolution, Corn Platter was a chief. He told the tribe these men they could trust. That was his true belief. He went down to Independence Hall, and there a treaty signed that promised peace with the USA and Indian rights combined. George Washington gave his signature. The government gave its hand. They said that now and forevermore that this was Indian land. That, of course, was Johnny Cash with As Long As the Grass Shall Grow. Johnny Cash was, back in the 60s, a a really uh, thoughtful, throaty voice for our indigenous population. And he wrote that song about the displacement of the Seneca people in the early 60s from Pennsylvania and New York to make way for a giant dam as early as the 60s, like it wasn't that long ago. Um, so I think that's probably why you chose that song tonight, huh, Kirk? Yeah, we chose it because, I mean, Jason will talk to us uh, more about it. Uh, the, 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 uh, you know, the, the Native Americans have been hosed on gerrymandering time and time again throughout mm-hmm. the history of the United States. And so I, I just wanted to kind of lead in with that. Um, uh, let me introduce Jason uh uh, you are Jason Bissonette. The most important reason we have you on the show is because you were actually on the Fair Maps Commission uh, for you were nominated by Governor Evers to represent the seventh uh, congressional district. But you also are a member of the Lacoudre tribe, and you're the dean of students at the uh, LCO Ojibwe School, and uh, and you're uh, part of the, the the regents for the for the college there in Hayward. Is that is that did I do it all correctly there, Jason? You, you, you did absolutely, and I appreciate uh, I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you guys tonight. Well, thank you so much for joining us. So before we talk about uh, you know the tribes and gerrymandering. I this is the first time I've spoken with anybody that's actually been on the Fair Maps Commission. Uh, you know we've been we've been told it was supposed to be a very transparent process. Uh, it was supposed to uh, you know try to gather up lots of independent and nonpartisan minds to figure out what the best lines were that would actually support everyone's interests uh, in the best way. Can you tell me about, tell us and our guests what it was like to be on that commission? Did it, did it fulfill kind of that goal of, of drawing nonpartisan maps? Yeah, uh, well, I, I should probably start off by saying, you know, if I'm the first person that you've actually talked to, you're, uh, man, you, uh, I don't know if you hit it out of the park or not, because, you know, quite honestly, the folks that I was on with, were absolutely phenomenal, uh, just incredible, smart, engaged Wisconsinites, and uh, and um, you know, I it was absolutely a privilege to be a part of the uh, part of the group. Um, as far as like you know, the entire process, and I mean, I I just saw an ad in the paper, and and I just threw my threw my name in the hat, and and. Uh, um, I was by no means an expert on any of it. Um, and it was absolutely, it was, it, it, at times it felt like a master's course in geography. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I was lucky enough, uh, to be paired up with some folks who I absolutely believe were just regular people. Um, you know, there's, uh, one of my good friends from the third congressional district, 
um, you know, she, she was retired, you know, our, 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 uh, commission, um, chairman is a, uh, is a practicing physician, a medical doctor. Um, you know, we had retired folks in, 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 we have a librarian and school teachers and, and, um, nonprofit folks, you know, so it was really kind of like, uh, this mesh of, just regular people. None of us were experts. None of us, I don't believe, were super political. Um, Imagine that the people's maps being drawn by people. Yeah. 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 Right. That's a concept. Uh, so, did you feel like, I mean, you came to this really not knowing much, and I bet you learned a ton during the entire process. Did you feel like it was transparent and nonpartisan and cooperative the way that it was touted to be to the rest of the state? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. You know, I think, and, and of course, you know, so I, I, I would encourage absolutely anyone right now to get on the, um, you can get on the, the, the website is actually still there and it talks about, you can listen to all of the, uh, um, all the open hearings that we had, they're all been re, uh, uh, recorded. Um, they're all still archived right there on the website and YouTube and, and everything. I think, and forgive me, I, my numbers could be a little bit wrong here. So, and, and again, it's on the website. So anyone can look and correct me, but, but I, but I want to say that we had, um, we had, representation from 68 of the 72 counties. Uh, I think we had like over 10,000 submissions of, um, uh, or feedback and submissions and, and questions and things like that. So, um, I, I would like to believe, uh, I would like to believe that we are super transparent. I mean, absolutely everything was, was open and, and, uh, and archived. Um, Jason, let me cut. Let me let me ask you a follow up question here. So, yeah, ultimately, uh, we, before you joined, we talked about uh, uh, racial gerrymandering and political gerrymandering and how there's a difference in the Voting Rights Act in 1965 kind of said you can't draw lines just to pack, you know, people, all black people in, you know, in, in Milwaukee yep. or or, you know, all 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 Native Americans, uh, you know, so they can't vote, you know, they can't get representation. So yep. I wanted to move a little bit toward um, towards kind of the Native American uh, gerrymandering issue. And, yeah. um, you know, if we talked about this a little last week and I wanted to confirm because I don't know. I mean, it's I think that right now we've got five tribes. We have the St. Croix, the Bad River. Le Couture, uh, Lac de Flambeau, and uh, and Redcliffe. Yep. Uh, if I'm wrong, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that those five tribes are represented in four separate assembly districts and three separate Senate districts. Is, does that sound right to you? It it does, and 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 actually, we we have our relatives to the to the far east uh, from uh, from Mole Lake. Um, you know, so um, I'm sorry. I just got a weird notice on my computer. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so sorry. Saying too, you know, this does. I think Jason, your point is so well made that you know there are 11 federally recognized tribes, yeah. and yeah. the question is, as you look to all of them, right? Yeah. This analysis, what kinds of lines were drawn in such a way that that again, specifically focusing obviously on the Ojibwe and and, and others, but 
Um, all of that can be the focus of an analysis to determine whether by virtue of diluting your, your voting strength, how the lines are drawn, have yeah. you, uh, as the Voting Rights Act been violated um, with respect to you and other registered members of the tribe? Um, well, you know, I think, man, that's a, so <laughs> I should, I should, again, qualify all this by saying, you know, I spend my day with 400 kids in a school. I am by no means <laughs> an expert on uh, on the on the Voting Rights Act, and uh, and luckily we had tons of experts that helped guide us uh, through those discussions. What, Jason, what, yeah, yeah, go for it. Sorry. Well, what 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 I can say is that your initial question about like how how those are broken down. I mean, you're absolutely accurate. I mean, all of us, by and large. Um, are uh are kind of broken apart i mean bad river red cliff and flambeau are are all within that i think all within the what was it the 25th senate district you know but the one thing and this is what i really encourage our commission to look at is and so you know because we really looked at uh the um um uh, communities communities of interest right so we have a tribal population at liquidity of about 7500 tribal members um what that doesn't take into account is uh that uh all the people that that just because you you fit a blood quantum that 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 only means one thing you know the 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 uh one thing I was trying to get the commission to understand is um, you have you have a tribal uh, tribal enrollment that lives on the reservation or within the county, but you, the, the tribal impact is just so much more. Mm -hmm. So what really, I believe, kind of hurt us was that um, the maps kind of took off the, the northern townships of Sawyer County. So so Lacoudre is the is the largest employer of Sawyer County. Um, so that means at any given day, um, you know, we've got. So even though we have uh, some like seventy five hundred tribal members, um, our our impact is just so much greater just because um, the economic impact. So I think that that's why I was really trying to get the commission to understand like each one of yes, like to Flambeau has got a distinct population, but their economic impact in the, in the, and the decisions that are made impact far greater than the, than the tribal membership. I don't know if that makes sense. I, or not. It Absolutely. does. You yeah. make so much sense. And I'm curious the maps that as you were trying to get this point across and you were in charge of drawing these maps, how much did your maps differ from the maps that we've ended up with now? Well, well, quite a bit, actually. I mean, it, and I know one of the, one of the arguments. So one of the arguments uh, that I, if I recall correctly, we, our maps were called um, super radical um, that it was, that the changes were wide sweeping, but but if you look at why they are wide sweeping, is trying to get them back to center mm -hmm. um, pre two thousand whatever eleven, I guess. Um, our maps were actually very very similar to I think it was in nineteen ninety, um, 
or 1980 era maps. Um, <clears throat> but they had to swing that they had to look that that much different just because of what happened. And, you know, when three guys in an office in Madison created the maps. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So what you're, what I heard you say is, you know, and I've seen the fair maps commission maps. It basically just made a real line <laughs> with, it made a, a line that was natural, uh, kind mm -hmm. of dividing up Northern Wisconsin, which yep. just naturally included more tribes, uh, because yep. you're, you're not that far away from each other and your no. spheres of influence, you know, might not just be your membership, but your spheres of influence overlap in terms of hiring. I know that Oneida County, and I know that Vilas County, uh, you know, the Lacta Flambeau tribe is the main employer there too. So we're just a couple counties yeah. away from you. Yep. So the question, so the question I have, and uh, we don't have a ton of time left, but I wanted to flip it to Jim because uh, Jim, we talked all about the first segment about, about uh, the voting rights act. Uh, if we can elect a, a progressive Supreme court justice, um, what, what do you think? Do you think that the, you know, I, sh I should I just talked about five because that's what I think about in northern Wisconsin, but there's so many there's there's 11. Right. Do you think there is standing for the tribes to be able to sue successfully uh, to get better representation and better lines in Wisconsin? Right. right. And so to Jason's very good point, um, I, I smile when someone accuses you of being radical. That's what the Constitution contemplates, right? That's why we do a census every 10 years to determine if populations have moved around. The great work that you did, Jason, was just that. It can, it can be changed dramatically because people move, interests move, and to your good question, Kirk, that's how standing is created then. If during the course of new lines, you have done something, once again, that dilutes the population of one of our Native American Indian tribes in such a way that you cannot possibly get representation in our state legislature. That's racial gerrymandering. And especially if you do it with you know, intent and purpose and, and you accomplish it in such a way that Jason, you and, and other enrolled members of the tribes generally um, are no longer have access to the polls and to have that opportunity of representation in Madison and also frankly in the United States Congress that's the kind of thing the Voting Rights Act was contemplated to remedy. And so again, as we talked before, Kirk, what is my damage? My damage is a failure of representation and that's standing. And it does require, again, the kind of analysis that get back into the legal mumbo jumbo here, Thornburg and Jingles contemplates, get into the nuts and bolts that Jason just described, figure out if you, in fact, you do draw that line, Kirk, that you just identified, does that make sense and why? And the concern about Merrill versus Milligan is, are we going to get rid of that and simply say, well, we've got some one other reason for doing it. Even so, that's standing. And that's the reason why bringing this into court and addressing this in the wake of our recent election has got to be the way forward. I got one last question and then we got we to gotta go, uh, Jason. Um, is there an appetite, do you think, among the tribes to, you know, it, do people think about gerrymandering? I mean, I know that you tribes have been separated uh, uh, part, on purpose in Wisconsin and in other states for a long time so that they wouldn't have representation. Is, is this is this opportunity something that the tribes might have an appetite for to, to try to bring a, a better a better maps for yourselves? Or is it just another, you know, injustice that people are going to roll their eyes at uh, about? Well, I think it, I think Ojibwe people are pretty, pretty good at rolling our eyes. 
um, you know, because we've, we've been doing that for a long time, but I, I think, you know, that's a good question. And, and by all means, I, I probably shouldn't be speaking on behalf of, uh, our exactly. attorney general's office. Um, so I'll probably get a text here, but um, <laughs> well, like you're picking a fight. Like, right. Pick a fight, Jason. <laughs> you, yeah. you don't have to. You don't have to answer. I, it just was a no, question. I, you know? No, but I, I think you know. Is it? I would like to believe that it's always at the forefront of our, um, at least our minds here at Le Couture. I mean, we're working up on a couple of really important dates. You know, one is uh, you know the the, the flooding of of the Chippewa flowage you know that that um uh that was completely done underhanded um you know we're also coming up on the 40 this is the 40th anniversary of the of the Voight uh LCO Voight uh decision um reaffirmation of our of our um uh the treaty rights um you know so I think I think those are those things are always at the forefront of everyone's mind, you know, justice and and equity and uh, equality. So, um, yeah, how's that for a, how's that for an answer? <laughs> That's a great answer, right? <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Jason, um, and uh, and and thank you so much, Jim. Uh, this is we're talking we're talking gerrymandering uh you guys have just given us so much more insight um i hope the folks watching throughout throughout this uh program and next week uh up north can get some ideas if, if this excites you in, in a bad way if this makes you mad uh there's something you can do uh but you gotta get a progressive supreme court justice in first before we can do anything so uh, with that, I want to say goodbye to Jim. I want to say goodbye to Jason. And we'll, we're going to take a little bit more of a break, and we'll be back to end the show in a little bit. Great to be with you once again. Have a good night. Take care. Bye, guys. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. As long as the moon shall rise. As long as the river flows. Are you going to get all schmaltzy on us now? I just, I, I can't, I just started crying again. I said, I'm, that's my weakness. That's my weakness. I'm a softie, especially for Rascal Flats. Cause I, I love Rascal Flats. Could we get a little life as a highway? No, no, we, we, I don't want to keep people. <laughs> I want to keep people on this vibe. So that, that song, what it's, it's not called stand by you. It's what's called. Some, what are, what is it called? Stand by you. Right. No, but, something like that. It's nice. So, it's about supporting each other, especially yeah. during your tough times. So to me, I wanted to end the show because obviously Kristen and I are not native Americans. Uh, Kristen and I are not people of color uh, in Milwaukee. Uh, but, but Kristen and I are, are progressives and, and we have seen over the last, uh, 10, 12 years, 
what not being represented feels like because we're uh, we're in northern wisconsin where progressives just don't have we've been gerrymandered out of having any influence on our on uh, our, our destinies because our votes don't really count and so i was just thinking you know if there's any a time any any time for us to uh, reach out a hand to to the tribes uh, to people of color now is the time because we've got a taste of what they've had to deal with for a lot longer uh, than us so i just it's time to get together and be wisconsinites and to hold hands and to uh, and to get our democracy back here's a virtual tissue for you <laughs> but you're right and it's not state it's not just statewide this is happening in our municipalities remember our municipalities are also gerrymandered in many situations and representation is unequal even in our cities and counties so this is something that no matter where you live or what you care about, it may be affecting you and you can use your voice to make a difference. One way you can do it very easily is get out and vote in that primary on February 21st. Vote in the general in April. We can make a giant difference for the future of the state by electing a progressive Supreme Court judge. Absolutely, Kristen. And uh, so everyone, that is our show for tonight. Uh, hey, Kirk. We're gonna... hey, Kirk. Janet. Yeah. Janet. Janet. Pro 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 prototype. Protosawitz. Protosawitz. Yes! yes! And, and Everett Mitchell is also on the ballot. Uh, so, uh, everyone, we are, uh, we'll be back next week at seven. We're going to be every week at seven o'clock. We're going to be Facebook live streaming on, on, on the Monaco Brewing Company website, but then we will be releasing the podcast on Saturdays and little snippets of, uh, of, of the important stuff that was said throughout the week so that we can kind of keep the message going. So join us again next week. Thank you, Kristen. Uh, we can't wait to see you again soon. Life is a highway. I want to ride it all night long. Oh, yeah. I want to hold you. <laughs>